ladies, one of them he is he shares a last name with, um, called out Mr. Perfect Brevin for touching the rope. And Brevin disagreed with their view of the play. And an argument ensues. And it was like 12 on 1, by the way. Like, everybody's like, yeah, Brevin, you touched it. He's like, yeah, no, I did. And I was like, no, no, we really saw you touch it. And so I just kind of let this play out because it's COVID. We're bored. There's not a whole lot that you can do. We're tired of streaming. So I'm just watching this like it's on reality not true. TV. He, you were in the corner going, fight, 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 <laughs> fight. <laughs> so then Brevin drops the most famous nine square line ever. He says, Y'all are lying. I don't even know why y'all go to church. <laughs> <laughs> just, just drops it right there. I don't even know why y'all go to church. <laughs> we just, uh, we just folded over laughing like that. <laughs> I'm serious about the nine square. Yeah. I don't know why y'all go to church. <laughs> Brevin is a very disciplined, very moral person that you can trust is going to do the right thing, and Brevin is going to have a lot of influence in this world. And I'm thankful that he's a Christian. I'm thankful that he's going to be in universities and ball fields and locker rooms and people are going to listen to him that are not going to listen to other people. And I'm proud that, that he is going to represent his family, but most importantly, his God well. That when they look at Brevin, that they're going to see a leader that cares about people and somebody that you can trust to do the right thing. And so we're proud of you, Brev. We are. And we're not only proud of Brevin and where he's been and where he's going, but I'm especially proud of this next gentleman I get to talk about, and that's my dear friend Colby Gortmaker. And I, it's hard not to look at you and not laugh a little bit and think about some of the fun times we had. My my favorite story of Cor, uh, of Colby is his least favorite story, probably. He says he's forgotten about it. I will never Nobody's forget about it. About this. But he is so kind in the way he handled this situation because I botched it. We are in Arlington, my hometown, uh, on a youth trip, and he's in there. I have a van full of kids. Lance has a van full of kids. I have a van full of kids minus one as we drive away from Freebirds and Colby was not in the van that I was driving and responsible for and we leave him and we circle out of there and get on I-20 which it was close by and realize like headcount we're missing someone. Oh it's Colby so we have to circle back around and get him and he's standing out there in the parking lot like what is going on and I felt awful about that in 20 something years of ministry that's the first time I left somebody somewhere uh, and that says nothing about you and all about me but I felt terrible but here's the thing it, it's just eating me alive every time I see Colby I just get this dagger of I can't believe I left him and he was like I just really just laid it out a, a couple months ago it's like Colby man like I'm the worst person in the world and he's like dude like I've forgiven you, like, you just need to forgive yourself, and like, it is, it is okay, and I just, I love that, and so I, that was the one time I left him, and then we started running, because he's going to be in the Marines, and, and so we're, we're running buddies, and now he leaves me all the time, uh, and I'm trying to catch up, and I was like, I, I deserve it, but I love the way you chose to, to forgive, uh, and you're, I'm just really excited about what God's going to do. Uh, for you and through you as you enter this new stage and and just own boot camp. I'm, I'm really proud of you, Colby. Okay, you didn't tell the best part of the story. What's the best part so, of the story? So, we had a secret buddy before we left where you're supposed to try to bless them secretly. <laughs> I did forget about that And then that you part. try to guess who your secret buddy is. 
And he gets to Colby, he, and Colby goes, I don't know, it better not be Doug. <laughs> I won't tell you who his secret buddy was. I just wanted to give him a memory he would never forget. Yeah, no, nobody's going to forget that. <laughs> All right, I got us off. So if you want yeah, to I'll, I'll go back. Okay, so I want to uh, talk about Connor. Connor, where where's Connor right here? Okay, I'll, Connor is is a good friend of mine. I've been wide has been getting me going back to the core, and one day we I ran into Connor and doing a little weightlifting and decided to go over to play basketball a little bit, and that's when I realized that Connor. He can shoot the J. He can drop the bomb. I mean, like, he owns it from outside of the three-point. And, like, just – it was amazing, like, the percentage. And you can be in his face. You can have – I would put my hand in his face, and he would shoot it. And it, it just went in all the time. And so um, I, I really enjoyed playing with him, especially on my team. Like, hey, you know, just feed him, and I get the assist. Well, a, a couple weeks ago, I was, we were talking, and – talking about hey let's go let's go play basketball sometime so we talked about it we we met up at the core and and so we go in there to, to play basketball and I'm assuming like there's going to be some other people we're going to have a pickup game of basketball and you know I'm going to get out there and hopefully they won't see how terrible I am you know I'm going to pass it to Connor for the assist right and we go out there and he he has a ball and there's nobody else out there, and he starts dribbling and shooting. And, dri and then he takes this big trash can and drags it out past the three-point line, right? And that's the, the pick, the screen, that he goes around and shoots. And for 45 minutes, that's what he did. Shot after shot after shot, making it and making it and making it. And then I realized he's a really good three-point shoot shooter, Partially because he's just has that talent, but the other thing is, is he has that drive. And like when nobody else would be out there running around a trash can for a pick to shoot, that's Connor out there. And I just love that. Don't lose that drive. Continue to to find things that you love and things that you're good at, and just pour your heart into it. And I'm just so proud to know that it's not just the you know, God's gift that, that you can shoot, that you you know that you need it to be molded. And I'm, I'm just thankful that you have that. And, and just so you know, like we always have to be on the same team. Always on the same team. I bud. feel bad that he trains that hard. And when I play, I always try to guard him because I know I'm just going to cheat. Yeah. I'm just going to foul him. Just, so, and he still feel, makes it. I feel bad that you practice that hard, and then I try to undo it just by cheating. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm convicted. I, I'm sorry, Connor. I probably won't change. Uh, all right, Jacob has been virtually a part of my family. The Blackmans were one of the first families that we met when uh, we moved here. I played knee football in their living room. We have watched Dallas Cowboy games and cheered throughout the game and then cried at the end. Uh, we've had chocolate chip cookies that we thought would turn the tide of luck for the Cowboys. Uh, one of my favorite stories of Jacob was three years ago at the uh, Michellic School of Dance recital, he, he was lucky enough to be sitting in a seat that got drawn to win a door prize. And he goes up to get it, and the owner of the studio is in the same generation as Jacob's grandmother, Frida, okay? And Jacob's standing there, and I'll admit it, he, he looked very handsome. And the owner goes, ooh, he looks strong and handsome. 
And I immediately just start texting Jacob. I'm like, you're getting hit on by somebody your grandmother's age in front of 600 people? Ha, ha, ha. You know, I, like, you know, I'm thinking I'm like owning him. And Karen knew that he was strong enough to do the lifts. She had no clue that three years later, he would literally steal the show at a recital. That kid is talented. He played the guitar. He got up and danced. If you want to challenge him to a dance-off, today's your day. Yeah. Don't challenge him to play in the drums because I don't think he needs that leg to beat you. I mean, he. But he is he is talented. He is he is gifted, and he has such a legacy of faith. I mean, I I look at that at that pew, and um, he has been given such a gift of just loving God and of loving the church. And I look forward to you to continue that and to and to love and to serve and lead singing and just just be as faithful as what's been modeled to you and just love you and we're proud of you. Well, I get the privilege of, of not only talking about but in some ways introducing you to one of our our graduates, uh, Kaylin Martin, and and I I just got to meet her a few weeks ago. And it, is, it was just special how it all turned out. And so I can't tell you about growing up with her or her life, you know, in, in middle school. But I can tell you uh, that she is a resilient young lady. And as all of us have had to go through transition in 2020, she had some on top of that because she's lived in multiple states. She was in Texas for a while and now here with us. Uh, and we had the opportunity to, to meet her in a conversation started up and said, hey, we're going to have Senior Sunday in, in a few weeks. Would you like us to honor? And, and she said, well, no, no, thank you. And, and then uh, later on, uh, she was a, decided that she wanted to after all. And, and I'm, I'm glad that, that we're getting to do that because you, you deserve this honor. And the one thing I can tell you about her is that she's here with her extended family and the way that, that she um, loves and is loved by the rest of them is really, really special. And so that tells me already. I, I, I feel like I know a lot about Jesus by the fact that the little kids would run to him and the way that, that uh, the little ones in your family um, love on you just says a lot about who you are. And we're so glad that we got to meet you a couple weeks ago, and we look forward to uh, all the more time we get to spend with you in the future. And she's the favorite kid in the uh, youth group because she has not broken a rule yet. Yeah. She's the only one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and she stays late after class and asks questions. And you know as a teacher that that's like the best thing ever. Yeah. That somebody not, not uh, only listen to what you said but stays late and wants to talk about it. Yeah. So she's, she's special. Uh, let's let's talk about Kennedy now. We know Kennedy's gracious because she's willing to hang out with him. So, <laughs> right off the bat, um, no, she is rarely one of the first people to speak up in Bible class when we're talking about things. But when she says something, you better believe it's about the smartest thing that's going to get said that day. And um, I know she is interested in going to LCU, and she's going to do a career in nursing. And the way that she's going to have an opportunity to to help people and their families at possibly the lowest point in their life. I know that she's going to come in with a smile and a tender heart, and I know people are going to see Jesus through her, and I'm just excited about that for her. And so thank you for being here and being part of the family, and we love you, and we think you're great. Yes. Sometimes you get to tell stories about people and some of the things that they've said that are funny, and then every once in a while you have an opportunity to talk about 
um, how you witness them do something special, and that has such deeper meaning. And so I don't know this young lady a whole lot, but I can tell you a story about her that will just warm your heart, and it will give you hope for the future. Uh, and that's our Miss Laura Sebring. She is extra special, and I, I just want to share this story with you. Um, she's been here a while, but she's also another one of those where she she does not jump in front of the, the spotlight and say, hey, look at me. She's always very uh, quiet and unassuming, but but let me tell you something about her. Our, our dear Jerry Phelps passed away two years ago this last uh, April uh, in 2019, and she lives next door to Kay and Jerry, and that next Sunday... She and her sister came and knocked on Kay's door and says, hey, can we go to church with you? Uh, and you just, the impact that that has had on Kay's life, for a woman who was grieving a man that we all love so much, and for them to recognize that and and say, we want to be a part of your life, and, and they have been over there, they've come with her nearly every Sunday. They have helped with, with yard work from the very beginning. And there's a lot of things that I could say about Laura. She is sweet and kind, but to tell that story says more about you than, than any other story. And I'm just humbled and honored. And my prayer as we continue to talk about our seniors is that you don't just talk about your faith, that you live it out. And I don't know anything more courageous or more Christ-like than walking uh, across the yard and knocking on the door of, of your neighbor and helping them in their time of grief. And so on behalf of this whole family, we thank you for the way that you have ministered to a woman that we all love. And just keep on doing it. That is just, we have seen Jesus Christ by the way that, that you have done that. And so we're, we thank you for that. That's amazing. Awesome. All right, I get to talk about mission. Uh, there's one thing you need to know about her. She's fucked. Now, she's got some brothers, and one of them was up here, Devon. But if you have to pick Dr. between... Devon. If you have to pick between Dr. Devon, <laughs> Kieran, and Mission, if you have to pick one of them and fight the other two, it's not even a question. Okay? You take Mission. <laughs> Those boys, she, she has put up with them and tolerated them. And what they didn't know is the whole time they were just making her stronger. And so uh, that is a family that is near and dear to me. I love them all. I love Mission. Uh, Mission, if it, if it ever gets down to it and you got to fight them, call me. I want to be there because you won't need me. I'll, I'll just get the popcorn and watch you take them out. But yes. we love you. We're proud of you. We know that you're not sure about, about what you want to do in the future, but you always have a family and a God that loves you. And we want you to know that. Yeah, Devon may be the doctor, but we know you're the boss. So you just <laughs> Dr. <don't>. Boss. <laughs> the, the, the Dr. Boss. Okay, I uh, get to talk about our sweet Sarah Morrow. And we just, it's interesting because most of our boys are kind of out in the open, jumping around, you know. 
Uh, and our ladies are sweet and they're kind and they're quiet. And that's just one of the ways that I would describe Sarah. She is creative. She's artistic. If you go back and look at her table, you can see some of the drawings uh, that she did on her own. Uh, if you compare them to my stick figures that I can make, they're they're just slightly better. Um, but she does a fantastic job. She loves music and she loves art. And she is another one of our ladies who she doesn't have to have the spotlight on her. Um, she doesn't have to have a lot of uh, constant validation from people. Uh, instead, she is content and she's satisfied. And that that's a sermon right there. Um, and it's, it's a lesson that I, I need to hang around Sarah and learn because I'm always you know, needing people to, to pat me on the back and, you know, it's okay, it's okay. But, you know, to be secure in who you are and not to re require the spotlight is something special. And I hope that all of our seniors can continue to, to learn as they get older. Amen. Amen. All right. The Bible says if you've seen the, the Son, you've seen the Father. And this is true of Wyatt. He is like Doug in most of the right ways, and in some ways quite a bit better. He's kind of an upgrade. He's like version 2.0. It works the glitches out with you. And then, and then we get Wyatt. Uh, Wyatt has a great heart. He loves people. He likes being where, where the party is. He likes being involved. He likes joking. He likes picking on people, so he fits in good with us. But he mainly just picks on Lily, so let's, let's tell the truth about that. Um, he likes learning and growing, and I naturally was around him a whole lot more than other kids in the youth group just because he was with Doug. When COVID hit, he basically became a part of the staff. He was just up here when we were quarantining and you weren't allowed to interact with a lot of people. He was one of the people, I guess, that we were in a bubble together, and Wyatt was just here. And when we first started our two-week shutdown, remember that, about a year and a half ago? Um, so the auditorium is empty and we're coming in to do this thing here and I made a joke to Wyatt about the clothes that I was wearing it wasn't a funny joke and he just started laughing and I remember in that moment there was a lot of anxiety and tension and Wyatt's laughter just made me feel like you know what it's going to be okay it's going to be fine and Wyatt has that way around people he can joke and laugh and no matter what's going on you're like no it's fine and just, just the joy and the energy that you bring to every room, my friend, you are a thermostat. You can be a leader and you can t change the temperature of a room. And I just want to encourage you and implore you to keep doing that and know the influence that you have. And just know that God can use you to bring joy and leadership to people's lives that really need it. And we are, we are proud of you, and you have brought so much joy to my life and to my ministry. And I am I'm excited that I know that you're going away, but we're not saying goodbye. That like you're part of my life is as long as I have breath. And just just to get to watch you mature and grow is just going to be a blessing for me. All right. I love you, and I'm very proud of you. That's all I can say. <laughs> And and then I get to talk about where is she, my camp buddy Victoria. Right there. Oh, Miss Victoria Tanner. We go way back, way back, and and spending time at uh, Pine Springs and just and she's another one of our ladies who like she doesn't demand the spotlight. And so if you don't know her, you would think that 
She she doesn't talk very much, but if you get to know her, she is fun and she's kind. But even if you see her from a distance, it is obvious that she is caring and that she is selfless. Uh, and she is always looking after other people and the way that she she loves her niece and her nephew and uh, was holding on to him just a few minutes ago was just a reminder of how sweet uh, and loving she is and uh, you will always be my camp buddy and we'll always have good memories of hanging out around canteen and watching all the other goofballs dance around and just be like, yeah, they're weird. <laughs> Uh, and so we, we had a lot of good times, and I, I, I love you, and I look forward to what God's going to do for you and through you as well in the future. I feel like we don't need to preach now. I, we, we really are done, but there's one more thing I do need to say. I, was, I didn't want to say this, but somebody really kind of twisted my arm into saying this. We have one more person that I just kind of want to honor. They're not graduating, but if you look at their their career their career just finished eighth grade because 14 years ago about today is when Lance and Jamie came and interviewed here and you think about this there's just almost no church that can stand up and say we've had a youth minister for 14 years uh, and so all of these kids I, I just think it goes to show that you guys are very gracious and kind of permissive, but well, um, it's the it's the love of my life. I I love these kids. I love what I get to do. Well, we're just we're thankful that that we have have had you here, and that these kids have if they've been here, they've had one youth minister, and you know it's it says a lot. So we we certainly appreciate you. So now we're going to switch and talk about our theme. I'm, I'm like, we should turn this into class. What are we going to do now? We're just going to do it. We're just going to do uh, it. Okay. So our theme here is um, we want to talk about, you know, what the future looks like. And we can give you a lot of advice. But the truth is there's going to be a lot of specific scenarios that we can't address. And we couldn't even be able to, to try to talk about this morning. But I think one of the things that we want to say is, uh, and, and these are your words, not mine, but, but live out your journey, and as you would say, hike your own hike. Yeah. And to do that, we want to leave you with one word, and it's worship. Uh, this idea was, uh, was kind of rooted in a quote that I read in a Mark Driscoll book that uh, he writes, we worship our way into sin, and ultimately we need to worship our way out. And that line in that book just struck a chord in my heart where I was like, there's never a wrong time to worship. When you're sinning, it's because you're putting something in front of God and God's will in a, your life. And there's never a wrong time to worship. And so I had that quote kind of clanking around my head and I would read scripture and I would see some really jarring times in which people would worship. And I'm like, there's not a, a set prescribed emotion or place, or or even style to worship. People worship in Scripture constantly. And then I heard a story about a missionary by the name of Gary Witherall, and he was serving in Lebanon, and his wife was there as a nurse serving the Palestinian people. And a um, Islamic terrorist walked into the clinic and murdered her in cold blood. He he shot her. And Gary gets word that there was something that happened at the clinic, and he gets there, and he finds his dead wife and there's blood on the floor, 
and he laid down in his wife's blood and he told people, he said, I worshiped in that moment because I knew that if I didn't worship then, I might never worship again the rest of my life. And I knew if my Christianity was real that it had to matter right then and there. And I heard that and I was like, that's everything I want to say is that no matter what situation that you're in, God is worthy of worship. And not only is it something that we do to give honor to God, it's something that we do to set our course for life is we worship. Yes. Uh, now, we, real quickly, we have a couple things. You were going to talk about the Hebrew. I want to talk about the Greek just super fast. The word yeah. in the Greek for worship, there's a lot of words that they use, and rightfully so, because worship is, is so expansive. And, and for us to think that worship has to be Sunday morning in the pew, that's that's false. Uh, and so the, the Greek gives us a better understanding. But there is one word that they use. It's, it's pro, proskuneo. Uh, and it is this Greek word that we hear over and over again for worship. When the Magi come to see baby Jesus, we have this word worship. When Jesus calms the storm and uh, the disciples, they say, "You, this is the Son of God. They worship. We have in Revelation chapter 7, when the angels are around the throne, they have this worship. And this is this idea of, of bowing down, uh, of, of paying homage to. Uh, it's, it's extending great reverence and honor. But interestingly enough, if you, you parse out that word, it actually can literally be translating as, as kissing forward. Uh, and, and that has kind of a, a double meaning. It could be that, that you go lay down face first on the ground and, and kiss the ground of, of the person who you are worshiping, who you're honoring. It can also mean like kissing their hand in honor. But it could also mean kissing your hand and, and waving it. Uh, that's, that's in the Greek. And that can be almost like, like blowing a kiss. And so when you think about worship, it's not just about this reverence. It's about this love and adoration that you have uh, for something. And there are a lot of different things or individuals that you can worship. And that's what we want to talk a little bit about this morning. In the Hebrew, the primary word is shakah. And it implies physicality. It literally means to bow down. Uh, it also means to ascribe uh, value to something. Uh, at its core, there is humility. You are acknowledging that something is greater than yourself. And I found this great quote. It says, worship is bowing down to lift up. You bow down yourself, you lift up God. And so we just want to get into six jarring times in Scripture in which there's people that worship when maybe from the outside, on some of these, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And this, some of them, it does make sense. And this first one's pretty simple. Uh, it's the way we all think about worship probably is, you know, this excitement. Um, David is now bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and there's this great excitement. And, I mean, there's fanfare going on. And I just love uh, how it describes that, that he, uh, he danced before the Lord with all his might. It was everything that he had. And I think a lot of times that's how we think about worship is, is when things are going great, we give honor to God. But this, the second one I want to talk about is how sometimes we worship before the victory. 
And, and the, the story I want to quickly reference is when uh, the Israelites have crossed over and Joshua's leading them and they're going to go to Jericho and, and they are, they're going to go around the city. Everybody remember, once a day for six days and on the seventh day seven times. Uh, but, but right before that happened, God, you know, he says to Joshua, he says, look and see that I have delivered the city into your hands. The verse before that says Jericho was tightly shut up and no one could get in and no one could get out. And God says, look what I gave to you. And then worship occurs. And so I don't think the circling around Jericho was what caused the walls, walls to fall. I think that was the celebration for what had already happened. That that was their victory lap. That God had already said, I have given you this. And for those of you who have forgotten, we have already won. And life is a victory lap because God said, I have delivered you and I have rescued you and just go live out your life and know that we have won and let everybody else know that they can join in this celebration. And so I want to tell you right now, college is going to be hard and life is going to be hard and you're going to have difficulties in marriage and in work and I just want you to know, start your victory lap now and know that God loves you and He will never leave you. And that as, as you go out into life, know that He has already won the victory for you. And you can worship for that now. And you can worship right now for what He's going to do. If you're waiting to worship God until you've been given the victory and your life is figured out, it's going to be too late. Yeah. Just start worshiping now. I want to talk about worship is an act of resistance, is an act of defiance. Satan is the prince of the air. He is the small g god of this age, and he influences our governments, our institutions, our culture, social media, everything around us. And we can use worship to throw a grenade at the very gates of hell. Worship can upend the powers of this world. And I want to talk about some little Hebrew boys that were carried off into Babylon. And their names were changed, and they were instructed in the culture and the language of the Babylonian people. And everything was taken from them. And then a law comes out that says, there's going to be a 90-foot statue that's out on the plains that's made of gold. And when you hear the harp and the lyre and the whole band pick up, you better bow down and worship and these three boys, in an act of defiance, said, no, we won't do it. Our God is able to save us, and if he doesn't, know this. We're not going to serve your gods. We're not going to worship them. Guys, that's powerful. And so sure enough, the band picks up and starts playing, and those three boys, they don't bow down and worship. They say, we're going to throw you into the fire. And they heat it hotter than they normally do. The guards that have a hold of them, they, they, they burn up in, in, in the flame. And Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego are thrown into the fire. And when Nebuchadnezzar looks into, the, into that fire and this rage that he's in because they won't bow down and worship, he says, only three went in, but I see four. And the fourth one looks like a son of God. Guys, that is an act of defiance when you won't worship the ways of this world, when you choose to be different. And when they come out of the fire, it says that they don't even smell smoke. Guys, the world is dying for Christians that won't smell 
like the smoke of this world, but worship the one true God. I love that story. Great story. All right, the next one that we want to talk about is worship during your selection of a future spouse and of relationships in general. Abraham is old. Sarah's been dead for three years. And then Abraham is going to call in his most trusted servant, and he's going to put his hand underneath his thigh. That was a, a cultural thing that... Uh, we're not going to talk a whole lot about, but he makes his, his most trusted servant make a promise. He says, I need you to go and find Isaac a wife. And he can't go back to where we're from, and he can't marry a local girl because they're going to draw him away from God. And so he tells the servant that the angel of the Lord is going to go before you. And so this servant takes 10 camels, and he travels. And he gets to this place where there's water. And the servant prays to God, and he says, God, let the girl be the one that um, offers me a drink and then offers to water the camel. And so he gets there, and there's a beautiful young lady. And he asks her for a drink, and she lowers her jar, and she waters him, and then she offers to water the camel. And, you know, I think watering a camel, okay, you know, maybe that's like watering a big dog. And then I think, oh, they're camels. And so I looked it up. A camel could drink 135 liters of water in 12 minutes. He's got 10 of them. Jar to the shoulder to the well. Camel runs back, fills it up. Shoulder walks it back, fills it up. She does that for 10 camels. She goes above and beyond. And this servant is watching this. And he doesn't speak a word. And he's like, she's the And she finishes... And he makes sure that she's from the family that he needs her to be from. And she is. She's Laban's sister. And then he starts breaking the jewelry out, saying, you know, basically, this is your dowry. You know, this is an offer. And then he does something that I would expect to happen then. It says, then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord. And do you worship your way into dating when you're looking for a spouse? Do you worship your way into your closest relationships, into your friendships? Is worship a part of that? And you may be thinking, well, the servant's an old guy. He's really religious. Um, you know, he worshiped. So the servant goes back home. They, they make the deal. He tells them that this is God's will. The family believes him. They, they, they ask Rebecca if she wants to go. She's not too tired from watering the camels. She says yes. He takes her back home. And guess what Isaac is doing? He's meditating. He knows this servant is out on this mission. And Isaac is there meditating because he knows that if this servant comes back with a young lady, that there's going to be a wedding. In our culture, how do young men prepare for their wedding? They throw a stupid bachelor party. The people of God don't act like that. He's out meditating. Young people, college graduates, high school graduates, for many of you, not all of you, celibacy is a gift that some people are called to, for many of you, you're going to be interested in having a spouse. Worship your way into it. Don't force it. Don't settle for anything that you can't worship about. Okay. Okay, this is the one when we talked about worship, and we started saying, hey, let's list some things that, that are that we think about some Bible stories when we think about worship. And over and over again, I kept coming up with these 
these scenarios, these stories in which worship happened in really tough times. You know, you talk about Elijah and he's Mount Carmel and he's surrounded by people who hate him and they want him, to, they want him dead. And you have the story of Job who's just in this terrible time. But the, the story that I really wanted to talk about for just a few seconds is the story of Paul and Silas. They did nothing wrong. There's this girl that's following them around. She's a fortune teller, and she has this demon in her, and she's talking, she's talking. And finally, Paul, like he gets sick of this, he says, you know, he, he casts out the demon. Well, the people who own this servant get really mad because they just realize they're, they're cash cow, pardon the, the phrase, um, is now gone. And so they get mad. They drag Paul and Silas uh, into the magistrates. They strip them down. They beat them. And then they throw them in prison. And they're locked up uh, in these, these shackles. I mean, they, it's just the most terrible situation. It's midnight. And they obviously can't sleep. And what are they doing? Like, I'm like complaining. I'm like, okay, I've got to get a lawyer. Like something. And they are singing praises to God in prison at midnight. And I just, I want to call all of us to be reminded that worship just, it just doesn't always happen in the end zone when we just scored the, the winning touchdown. A lot of times some of the most authentic worship happens when, when we're in prison. And what I love about this story what I love about this story is they're not the only ones there. And it says that the other prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas as they're singing in prison after they have been beaten and they have done nothing wrong. And I just want to call each one of you to, to be reminded that there are going to be some difficult times in your life Worship God in those moments just like you would when everything's going right. You know, we sang a song earlier uh, this, this morning. It's just a reminder that whether things are good or bad, God is worthy of our worship. Uh, and He's big enough to handle some of our, our, our tough worship um, when we're in difficult times. Yeah, and I'll close with probably the most difficult thing that anybody can face, the loss of a child. King David, um, he has a son, and the son falls ill. And he fasts, and he weeps, and he prays, and he says, maybe God will change his mind, and, and maybe my baby's going to live. And then the child doesn't. And in Second Samuel, uh, it tells us, then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. And just that testimony of you guys that just graduated and you have so much promise and so much potential that you're um, excited about and that we look forward to. But grief is going to come. It's going to come to your door because we live in a fallen world and grief is coming. And David worshipped through his grief. And if you can worship through that, you can worship through anything. The same David who danced in front of the ark still worshipped when one of his saddest days came. And I think that's a testimony. I think that we can worship in all instances of life. And that's how we break the chains of this world. God made us with a throne upon our hearts. 
And worship is one way that we make sure that God is there. And I want to close up by reading 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. My prayer for, for you 11 seniors and, and the, our college seniors and for all of us is that God and honor Him in the way that we lives our li- live our lives so that He might be glorified. We, we took a lot of time, but I really think that um, it's an opportunity as we honor our seniors really to just glorify God. And so on behalf of your, your parents and, and for this church family who's watching you grow up and get facial hair and be called doctors, and I just... That, that God will continue to use you in a powerful way so that you can glorify Him and allow this, this earth to, to just stand in praise of the One who created it. We want to thank you again for giving us this opportunity. We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement, and we'll ask you to do that as we do it right now.